Welcome to the Dream for Others podcast. I'm Naomi Arnold, an award-winning business and life passion coach, writer, speaker, and human rights activist. This show features inspiring conversations with those who use their platform, passions, and uniqueness to make a difference in the world. If you are big-hearted, open-minded, a lifelong learner, and are on a mission to help create a better world, this is the podcast for you. Now let's get started and dream for others. Today I am excited to have a chance to chat with Megan Della Camina on the Dream for Others podcast. Megan is a strategist, speaker, writer, and researcher on women, leadership, and work. Before becoming a thriving entrepreneur, she spent two decades as a senior executive in global organizations like GE, PwC, and IBM, first as an award-winning marketing director, and most recently as a head of strategy for IBM, including the remits of gender diversity and organizational culture and change. Well known for her capacity to inspire and empower while keeping it real, Megan is passionate about changing the conversation about women, work, leadership and success to one that drives positive change. I've personally worked with Megan in her role as a coach and strategist for entrepreneurs In fact, she is the one who helped me pivot my business when I wanted to integrate my human rights and social justice passions more into my work. She helped me plan and step into the role of launching this podcast and she helped me through the lowest of low point in my business through to some of the highest of high points too. So I am not only excited to bring to you someone who is passionate about helping women rise, personal leadership and entrepreneurship, but someone who has helped me personally in these areas too. But before we get started, I'd like to take a moment to remind you that we now have a Patreon community where you can support me and the costs involved in bringing this podcast to you as well as my big dream to turn it into a philanthropic project in itself. You can do so for as little as $2 per month. We'll get some wonderful bonuses and we'll join a small group of aspiring world changers at patreon.com slash dream for others. Okay, let's dive in. Hello, dear Megan. Thanks for joining us on the Dream for Others podcast. Hey, Naomi, how are you? So happy to be here, like really thrilled to Uh, be able to have this conversation with you. I'm very excited too, because as you know, I'm a huge fan of you and often returning clients. So (laughs) I can't wait to have an excuse to have a juicy chat with you. Oh, thank you. Well, I am a huge fan of yours. And yeah, like it's just been such an honor to watch your beautiful journey unfold and to be a small part of that. So yeah, thanks for having me on. Ah, mutual love fest. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just gush. Let's yeah, just no one wants to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I might start because I know you wear a lot of hats in your work and what you do. So I would love if you could introduce the listeners to your story and how you came to be wearing these hats and what you're doing nowadays. Yeah, okay. So we'll start, let's start present tense, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I run my own business. I'm an entrepreneur and a small business owner and I work as a strategist and a coach and a speaker and an author and a sometime researcher. So (laughs) that's, that's what I do. I work with women Uh, mostly my work is around helping women rise and I also work with uh, entrepreneurs. I work with organizations around uh, people, leadership development, diversity, and helping them create positive change. So that's the sort of the current story. And by by way of backstory, I spent 18 years in corporate. So I had a very long long, long corporate career 
Um, and I did that here in Australia, in Asia and in the US. And I worked for companies like GE. I worked for the electronic commerce business of, of the GE company. I worked for PricewaterhouseCoopers and I had a, a long time of my career with IBM, big tech, com- big tech company. Um, in roles marketing, I used to run marketing for for GE and for, for PwC and for IBM for a part. And then the last sort of seven years of my corporate career, I was head of strategy at IBM and I was also um, head of gender diversity and organisational culture and change. So kind of three roles rolled into one because that's always such a great idea. And, yeah, and, and that's that's what I did for, for a long time. And, I, you know, I, I'm sure we'll dig into to pieces of that that are interesting for your listeners um, about – Three years before I left my corporate career, I'd been having an like a, just a niggle, you know, like that restlessness. I talk about restlessness when we talk about you know people's journeys of when you first start to feel like this isn't going to be it, you know. When I when I had gone into corporate, in my I didn't I didn't head into into corporate until I was twenty four. And I loved it and I thought, oh, this is where I'm meant to be. You know, I'm meant to be in these big organisations doing these crazy things all over the world. And it never really occurred to me that I would do anything else until, you know, about that three-year restless point after I'd had a pretty bad work-related burnout, had come back, was, you know, settling into to different to, to a different role, at that role as head of strategy, and I was just like, yeah, this isn't going to be it. There's something else coming. And at the same time, the work that I was doing around women, women's leadership, changing organisations for uh, to be more um, female-friendly but just to be also more people-friendly, yeah, that, that's, that journey sort of started. And um, I wrote my first book, got a publishing contract, and it kind of just, you know, moved from there until I just went, it's time to leave. And I'm actually going to venture out on my own. And that was four years ago, just over four years ago now. Hmm, How time flies. How time flies. Yeah, it's crazy, right? So what kind of triggered the interest or passion in helping women rise? Is it part of your experience there and moving through being an entrepreneur as well? What inspired this passion of yours? It's an interesting question because I didn't have a gender lens until I hit IBM, until I landed in IBM. Uh, and I landed in IBM through a global acquisition. So the, uh, the uh, IBM bought the global consulting business of PricewaterhouseCoopers where I worked. So otherwise I wouldn't have ended up, you know, at IBM. Um, and before then, I, and it was even a couple of years into IBM because IBM had such and, and does have such a very strong DNA focus on diversity, I just didn't have a gender lens. You know, I, where I went to high school, I went to a very small high school and didn't think anything of it until recent years. You know, my class had 22 guy, twenty-two boys and five girls and that was it, 27 kids from year eight all the way year through year 12. A few changed along the way. Um, I went into organisations that were, you know, I was in the tech industry, so uh, male dominated. There's men everywhere, and it was wasn't unusual for me to be the only woman, uh, the only female manager, um, whether I was here or in Asia or somewhere else. And like we hear this story all the time, right? I mean, this is back in the uh, in the nineties and the the nineties and the noughties, and so I just didn't have a gender lens at all until IBM. And But I had always been passionate about women. I'd always been passionate about personal development, about spiritual development, and about women's journeys. And once I got into that part of my career and I became part of the Diversity Council, I became part of an incredible conference that doesn't exist anymore called Sustaining Women in Business with a very dear friend of mine, Taryn Hocking. Became involved in that, met people like um, Dr. Ann Summers, who many people may know, became friends with her, uh, one of the pioneering feminists in this country. And it just triggered and sparked this passion that became this, uh, it was like a floodgate opening. And I, I remember feeling 
particularly when I started to get involved in the Diversity Council and the SWB conference, which was the premier conference for women in this country for in, in Australia for seven years, I, I eventually became the chair and the curator of that conference. That sense of this is what I'm here for, you know, like this is, or at least this is a very large part of what I'm here for. And I didn't know what that looked like. I just kept taking the next step. You know, I just kept following the next breadcrumb on the path and kept triggering and re-triggering the interest, which is how we often find our purpose, right? It's what the research tells us. And, yeah, just kept flowing and flowing and then, you know, one day I decided to sit down and write an outline for a book that I hadn't even thought about writing. Synchronicity Happens, went to the Hay House Writers Workshop, submitted a proposal, won a book deal, wrote the book, and, yeah, and then it was like, okay, this is actually serious. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is, this, this is going to be something. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, this is what I do. I'm a published author on it and everything. <laughs> yeah, like, wow, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> So did you start to notice some of the same themes that you were noticing there in the corporate world, in the entrepreneur world too, or was your interest in helping women rise there kind of just sparked by entrepreneurship as well or partly by that? Yeah, that's a great question. It, it absolutely started from from what I was seeing in the corporate world mm. and all of the challenges. But when you when you actually take the environment away, so take away the corporate uh, environment or the government environment that someone might work in mm. or take away the small business that someone might be running, a lot of the challenges that I have seen and do see for women are very similar challenges. I mean, of course, there are career-related uh, challenges um, or blockages, same for same for guys, by the way, right? I know you have a lot of male listeners, so this doesn't just need to be about women, but but consistent themes. And that's when my girlfriend Taryn, who was the uh, is the director of Champion Events, who who ran the SWE conference, said to me, Megan, all this stuff you talk about about women, you know, boundaries and getting a life vision and finding your purpose and managing your career and all of this stuff, well being. She said, you need to write this stuff down because nobody talks about it. <laughs> And nobody talks about what it's actually really like behind the scenes um, of building a successful, in inverted commas, anything, yeah? Yeah. And so, yeah, that's evolved as as I've come out of corporate into my own business, still dip back into corporate because I have corporate clients, spent a lot of time with with female entrepreneurs um, and male business leaders, you know, the whole mix, mm. to see the different themes, yeah, that are coming out. Mm. And you have, you've got, you know, a, a background in research as well and you've got that corporate experience and you've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs now and do a lot of speaking. Mm. And so what are some of those themes that you are noticing coming up? Just generally? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so let's talk about, uh, let's talk about a couple of big ones. So let's talk, should we talk about leadership? Sounds good. Yeah, let's talk about leadership. <laughs> so the first thing with leadership, right, is everyone's a leader. So whoever's whoever's listening to this, doesn't matter what role you're in, doesn't matter if you're in an organisation, your own business, where you are in the community, like everyone is a leader or has the opportunity to be one. And a lot of the work I've been doing in the last couple of years has been about reframing leadership. And that's reframing it for women, but also reframing it for men. And I wrote a book last year, co-authored a book called Lead Like a Woman, where we break down the, the changes that are happening around leadership in the world today. And, you know, you only have to look at research from the World Economic Forum to see that we are in a global leadership crisis 86% of the people who are part of the the World Economic Forum's global agenda research every year say that we are in a leadership crisis and it's year on year on year it's getting worse. And, like, that's not rocket science. Yeah, it is science, but you only have to look around, you know, whether it's at government, organisational leadership, to see that, like, things, things are pretty crap, yeah, to use a technical term. And what we're also seeing is if we look at other research, 
that was done in recent years researching 60,000 people across 13 countries representing 65% of global GDP of, of GDP from millennials through to veterans uh, male and female is that what they what what came out of that research is people saying that what we want and need from our leaders today has changed. It's changed dramatically. We don't trust our leaders. We don't feel like we have hope for the future. Um, and the traits that we actually want to see in our leaders now, irrespective of where those leaders are or what gender they are, is that we want to start seeing more feminine traits. So the days of command and control and authoritarianism and um, you know, ambition and profit for the sake of profit, uh, that we don't want this anymore. Like the world cannot sustain this. And this is what people, you know, from millennial young men in very patriarchal countries all the way through to, yeah, the other end of the spectrum, and that we want to see more feminine traits. And the research is showing this. You only have to look at people like, you know, Brene Brown, but vulnerability and empathy intuition, planning for the future, um, you know, purpose over profit, all of these uh, things that the research calls feminine traits, not female traits, feminine traits, which show up in men and women, all genders, um, are what we want and need to see from our leaders to be able to sustain our future. So this is a huge theme and I spend uh, a lot of time in organisations speaking to executive teams. Um, uh, you know, I just did a whole roadshow around Australia speaking to thousands of people, you know, men and women, about what does new leadership look like, how do we cultivate that for ourselves and also for our teams, um, have these conversations with entrepreneurs all the time. Um, so, yeah, so like I think this concept of, like leadership is changing, you know, becoming a strengths-based leader instead of focusing on weaknesses, showing up with a growth mindset, you know, looking at Professor Carol Dweck's work out of Stanford, um, being focused on people's well-being as a currency instead of busyness as a currency are incredibly important uh, things that are going to hopefully when we get enough of a groundswell completely change not just how we are in organisations or how we run our own businesses or how we um, set up and govern, but the whole fabric of society. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So at the moment, I think I was reading on your website a little while back that you mentioned a change is happening, which you've kind of alluded to there as well. Is that change the acknowledgement and the conversation around this new type of leader or is it extending beyond that now and do you think that we are starting to see a shift in the type of leaders that are actually out there um so yes i i do well look i think we're seeing uh i don't want to get into a political conversation but we are <laughs> oops i kind of lined that up right? didn't i yeah. <laughs> Lead me down the path, why don't <laughs> Sorry. you? Sorry. Thank you very much. Um, so what do I want to say about that? Look, I, I think we are in, we're in a melting pot at the moment and we are seeing all ends of the spectrum and this is what happens when it's time for change, right? It's like the... It's like it, the volcano has to bubble and bubble and bubble and bubble before it erupts. Like if we just talk about what's happening in society, in, in culture, in the public narrative, the collective narrative, at, at the moment in the world today, um, we are seeing this rising, you know, the rising that has happened from the, from the new president, <laughs> not so new now in the US, yeah, the rising that has happened of people all people rising up against uh, values that are being demonstrated is an example of this rising. So whether it is GLBT communities, whether it's women, whether it's people of colour, yeah, all races, all cultures, we are seeing a rising. That is an example of the rising, yeah. The, the rising that we are seeing amongst women is all over the world. 
we're seeing it and we're seeing it in the political context, we're seeing it in the organisational context, we're seeing it in um, microfinancing, like just everywhere. And also as well as that, the rising of the feminine within that rising, if that makes sense. Um, I mean, if we look back to women's movements of the past, at times in the women's movement, very militant, yeah? And we absolutely are still seeing that, and in some cases it's absolutely required and very masculine traits to drive through change. But we're also seeing, and I see this particularly in the entrepreneurial community, I'd be interested in, in, in what you're seeing, this whole other wave of feminine rising coming through. And it's the with those feminine traits, the softer traits, um, the sisterhood, the discussions around priestesses and goddesses, and yeah, all of that, all of that narrative, which hasn't, which has been very niched, is coming much more mainstream. Again, another example of the rising, and we need all of it, right? Like we don't need a pocket of it; we need all of it because that's how we're going to create the change that we need in the world today, and more. You know, Lewis Howes with his book of the Mask of Masculinity. Like, there's such an important conversation because we have to change. We spend a lot of time talking about changing the world for women. What about changing the world for men? What about changing and breaking out of gender norms? that keep men stuck and keep men hold back and keep them in patterns of behaviour and roles that don't serve them and also, of course, don't serve women. All of these conversations, that's why I say it's like a melting pot, yeah, like it's all bubbling at the moment. And it's it's an incredibly, I think it's an incredibly scary time to to be alive right now. I also think it's an incredibly exciting an optimistic time for the potential for positive change that we can create right now. Mm. We're definitely seeing so many people taking personal leadership now that they're seeing a lack of leadership from the usual places we might have looked to <laughs> for leaders in the past. <laughs> and more people, I don't know if it's just, you know, the circles that I hang out in nowadays. Yeah. I think I've noticed this change in the number of people, including in the entrepreneur space, who are speaking up more about things like social injustice and politics and uh, not so great leadership. <laughs> and yeah. uh, whereas in the past, people seem to keep those roles separate and it was more yes. of a private role. And I've just noticed a lot more people talking about this stuff now, which I love and, and taking more ownership for showing up and learning more and speaking more about some of the stuff that's happening and impacts us all. Mm. I, I agree completely. And, you know, whether you look here in Australia or you look overseas, I think there's, there's so much disbelief amongst people about, like, really? Like, is this really where we are at? Is this really what is happening in the world? It, like, it's kind of mind-blowing, right? Like, if you really sit in that space of it, it kind of blow your mind. And I think so many people are waking up to the fact that I can't leave this to that person or that community or that group. This is going to take all of us. And this awakening... Uh, that's fueling the rising. Yeah, like that's what I talk when I talk about the the optimism for the potential for positive change. Is like I don't I don't know what you think, but I certainly in my lifetime I haven't experienced this that we are experiencing currently. No, I haven't either, and I've just noticed probably past year maybe it's just skyrocketed. Yeah. Well, pretty much yeah. since the uh, the US since election. The election right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's not to dump it all on the US either. Like there's so many things happening here in Australia when we look at our political leaders too that I know Absolutely. a lot of people are just so disheartened by and are feeling like they need to show up and speak about some of what's happening here, a real mismatch yeah. of values and or what they say their values are that don't 
then don't flow through to action. Um, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's not just the US. I mean, the US yeah. is, is so it's so big and it's so important um, that it's easy just to look there and, and, and talk about that. But, yeah, of course, right? Mm. I mean, and it's a real obvious example too, isn't it? It's really easy to draw on that presidency as an example. Absolutely. And this, yeah, and, and, and all happening, you know, if I step back and look at the, the, the big picture, it's like he's the president we had to have, right? Like um, to, to create change, to galvanise the people, to get people to rise up and say, no, this is not aligned with my values and how I want to live and how I want to raise my children and how we want to create and contribute to society. Not just no. Yeah. Just no. So yeah, it's a, it's a painful problem to have. And how are you seeing it manifest in some of your work? Because I imagine you must be helping people through your coaching and your writing and your speaking and through the organization work that you do to help them take this responsibility for what personal leadership might look like for them and how it manifests in their work and their life. Have you noticed this type of stuff coming up in your work as well? And yeah, I think I'll start, start there. <laughs> yeah. So look, I mean, let's talk about, let's talk about the organizational and then we'll talk about the entrepreneur and the personal. Mm -hmm. I think what, what is going on in the world, in our community and other communities, and then, you know, shifts in, you know, like the shift to the gig economy and, you know, people, structures changing, work structures changing. It's such a beautiful opening to have these conversations because there is a real, um, I think, acknowledgement and understanding that shit's broken. <laughs> And we need to do something different. And if that means that we need to do something radical, like start talking about feminine traits <laughs> in patriarchal society and in, you know, in structures that were designed by men for men, which is not a criticism of the men, right? Mm. It's just the way, it, the way it has been and still is in workplaces today, then like we've got to get to a pretty bad place to, for people to actually want to have that conversation. In my experience of working 18 years, you know, in, in, in those structures. And this is what's happening. You know, for, for me to be invited into boardroom after boardroom after executive team after leadership team, all hands meetings, 500 people, 1,000 people, um, or the, you know, 20 people, like let's have a real conversation about this at the top level of our business, like that's huge. You know, yes, come and talk to us about feminine traits and changing leadership. So there's a real opening that's happening there. Not everywhere, of course, because change happens in, you know, in components. And we always start with the coalition of the willing. But, yeah, so so I'm absolutely seeing that from a uh, from the individuals that I work with, whether they're individuals or whether they're, you know, entrepreneurs for, for sort of career or, or, or business. Um, yeah, this I'm. I have always been about, and spent a lot of time in my coaching practice, helping people get to their own agency, and that's part of this conversation, right? So, agency for how do I get agency over my own life, my own career, my own business, and then how do I want to use that agency to show up for other people, so I can. And I am also seeing that shift. So whereas previously it may have been like just me, 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 yeah, help me with my business, help me with, you know, my career crisis or whatever, I am seeing more and more the how do I use my X platform, skills, talents, expertise, big heart, yeah, to, to help and, and to make a difference for other people. And I've certainly noticed that in my own journey. And, of course, you know, we get what we reflect, so it's no surprise that, that's, that that shift's happening in my business and and attracting a lot of very conscious people who want to create change, you know, like the journey you've been on, which has just been incredible. So, yeah, how, how do we use all of that? Because it's got to be we're so privileged, 
Yeah, we're privileged. Everyone who's listening to this, arguably, you know, is privileged. We can stick headphones in our ears and and and, and listen to a podcast. Um, how do we use that? You know, how how do we use that privilege to do something good? And it doesn't need to be huge. Like we don't need to go and. Um, I was on the beach on Monday morning and I went for a swim as, you know, not unusual. And I don't know if it was because Sunday, you know, it was a hot day, families everywhere. I don't go to the beach on Sunday, but there's too many people. The internet and me hate that. Um, but Monday I'm in the ocean and I'm swimming and there's plastic everywhere, Hmm. plastic everywhere. Right. And like I'm, I'm a conscious person. I'm not an eco warrior by any means. Um, so I just finished my swim and I just started going around picking up the plastic mm. and I walked out and I had this massive handful of plastic and I'm thinking to myself, like, I need to do more. I need to do more. And thinking about people who are like saving the oceans and yeah. like, we don't have to do the big thing. Mm. Great. If you can do the big thing, go do the big thing, but you can do the really small thing. Go mm. pick the plastic up you know, and put it in the bin or the recycling if it can be recycled, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, seeing a lot more of that. I just went off on a tangent. but oh, um, I, I love that. I reckon yeah. gold is in the tangents always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that because I think a lot of us, as we're shifting into this kind of new era uh, of personal leadership and thinking about social change, we're still, some of us remaining in this little box where we feel like that means protesting or fundraising which are all really important things and we need those things but at the same time especially as someone like you who's all about strength-based kind of showing up in different eras it applies here as well like we we need to find our own way and often they're little ways like that that add up and cause this big ripple effect and they're so important too yeah, and we can all do the small things, mm. you know. And uh, like I've just started, imp- I've just started importing these beautiful fair trade um, bags, like bags and little pouches from this uh, tribal community made up of women in the hills of Thailand, because I found them. Uh, like synchronicities right it's 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 quite interesting how things happen and I like I have to support these women you know and it may seem completely random but then you know my girlfriends come around and they're like oh, this is so aligned to you like you're here to help women rise right well there's another example it's a small example I bought 65 purses and I'm going to sell them and distribute them and give them away because I want to support these women right mm. it's another small example of just making a small contribution. Yes. Small yeah. contribution. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go and clean out my house again before Christmas. Charity. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to sell it in a garage sale. I probably could, mm. but I'm just going to give it away. Small thing. Yeah. Mm. So we, yeah, I think we can get very overwhelmed with the size and the scale of the change that is required. Yes. Um, so I love, I love you talking about personal leadership because it's like, what can I do today in, in my circle of influence, in my community, in my house, in the ocean, you know, with the reach that I have, with the time and the energy that I have, because mm. let's face it, that's one of the biggest barriers for people because mm. everyone's just so overloaded. What can I do today? Mm. You know? And if we, yeah, it's just... And what can I do? Not what can you do? Like I'm not going to preach what you can do. Yeah. What can I do? Yes. <laughs> you yeah. know, I can pick up the plastic in the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're lucky to be near the ocean. A lot of listeners oh, probably aren't so even blessed. there. <laughs> Sorry for anybody who does, never gets to go to the ocean. Yeah, it's a, such a blessing. It is. We're very lucky. And I hear a lot at the like human rights conferences and things that I go to as part of my master's. I often will hear activists and human rights academics say that one of the biggest things that you can do is to, when it comes to speaking up, is to speak up at the barbecue or at, you know, a Mm. gathering when you hear someone say something that's problematic or racist or, you know, to try and just think about where your sphere of influence in your existing life is and to practice speaking up in those spaces 
And that, yeah, that, that has absolutely. a huge effect. Huge. Yeah. And I do that a lot with my work around women and gender mm. and diversity and inclusion. So not just about women, like, you know, diversity, as we all know, is about the mix of the people, inclusion is about what, who has a voice, mm. how included do people feel. And, you know, I, I'm that constant person <laughs> at the barbecue or the dinner party or the basketball game or whatever, just going, oh, really? Yeah. Like, really? <laughs> of course, I get to do it on stage. And, yeah. you know, I've had uh, quite interesting um, discussions with very senior, prominent male business leaders now that I'm in my own business and I don't have to be approved of. Um, I'm always polite and respectful, of course. But, you know, I was on one recently uh, with three male leaders and one female leader, and we were talking about diversity and inclusion. It was a big festival. And one of the male leaders, like they're all great. They're all there with good intention. They're all showing up and doing their work. But he made this comment about, he, he said, I won't get it right, but he said something about, you know, his wife at home with the kids and that's just the way that it is or something like that. And it was like the whole audience was just like, did you just actually say that? And I, I just kind of looked at him and I said, it, like, is that true? Is that true that that's just the way it is? And I was just curious mm. because here we have a very senior male leader saying, well, we can't have our women come back to the workforce because, of course, they're going to be home with the children. Of course, that's their role, like all of that patriarchal bullshit, right? Mm. But, but, but yes, you know, when I was in my corporate days, I wouldn't have been able to say, really? Mm. Like, that's rubbish because I was an executive in a role representing a client that could have been a client. Mm. But now I can. So, yeah. but it's small things like that, right? It's it's using your voice in whatever context you have that voice to question, mm. you know, question, challenge, ask, put forward a different perspective. Um, you know, that's how we get to change, right? Mm. And that's an example of something that hurts those who identify as men as well, because so many men want to. Be that person and play that role in their family and exactly feel they the, gen can't. the gender norms I was talking about because mm. gender norms don't just I mean gender norms for all genders yeah but when we're talking about male female gender norms they don't just limit and keep women stuck they do the same for men and we don't talk about that especially in Australia mm. we don't have that conversation and it's a problem mm. you know it's a problem. Mm. And I've heard you not just today, but in other occasions as well, talk about, you know, that it does. It's not helpful for us to crucify men and to set them up as this patriarchal, um, evil, <laughs> a kind of dichotomy against us. And that you've spoken a little bit about their role in this conversation and these this um, kind of uprising that you're talking about mm. so is there anything that you'd like to share around that conversation look I, I just think we're at the time now where we have to get to unity mm. you know and, and unity for everything but when we talk about the male female conversation the gender conversation um it like we have we have to stop blaming the men for for everything, right? Now, that doesn't mean there aren't issues. Of course there are issues. You know, the patriarchy can keep the men stuck, maybe not as much as keeping the women stuck, but, like, it's an issue for all of us. These are societal structures that we are in, that we have all um, been part of, and the male bashing that I still see in some circles and that we still see in the cultural narrative, it's just not helpful. Like, it's just not helpful. So... Yeah, it, it's it, we we have to move past this and get to a unifying conversation. It doesn't mean we're not looking at the problems. It doesn't mean we're not having the conversations. But you can have conversations without attacking someone, uh, even if they are wrong. Even if even if they are wrong, <laughs> you know, you can still have a conversation. I mean, when I started my PhD, I chose a PhD um, using social constructionism as the methodology framework. I didn't want to go and do your typical quantitative, yeah, or even qualitative uh, research model 
I wanted to look at social constructionism, which is like challenging the very construction of uh, of everything. Um, and it was a fascinating process. And part of this is about being able to have those conversations, ask the questions, see something from somebody else's perspective and then get to, you know, get to a common ground if you can. And you can't always, of course. Um, but but the separation, it's like this whole thing with the yes vote that we've just been through in Australia, you know, the, the separation and the blame and the hatred and it, it just doesn't progress anyone's agenda. Mm. So, yes, unity, 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 unity. Yeah, and I've been thinking about a lot lately how to, call more men in to these types of conversations and I know I'm not alone like even yeah. I was talking to Cameron Aaron recently and she's the same she's well they've been thinking about about this as well how we can have more of these conversations around gender and gender roles and also you know you know we know now that it's not that clear cut anyway there's a gender spectrum so yes, all exactly. of these types of things so my poor husband he's <laughs> In terms of what I was talking about with sphere of influence before, my poor husband is the first, one of the first little guinea pigs that I've been working on with, um, <laughs> trying to call in on some of these things. So, Well, I, look, all I can do is uh, empathise because I have a 17-year-old son, yeah. so you can imagine how he feels. <laughs> so, the conversations that we have in our house and have since he was seven. Yeah about gender and feminism and equality and men's roles in society and men's roles at home and women's roles and uh, yeah like it's quite I, I pity I pity his friends <laughs> and the conversations that yeah it's it's quite well they all come over as well and have conversations so yeah so I can I empathize with your <laughs> husband or my son would empathize for sure yeah he's, he's pretty good with it he's actually become more and more interested the more I've spoken about it because I yes. think it plants that seed of awareness so oh, at yes. first he was like really uncomfortable I think I'm I'm speaking for him here I think he would agree but now that he kind of had that little seed planted he started to notice things and get curious about it and I've got a as you know he's a four-year-old and I'm already noticing a lot of this stuff showing up yes. in him and he's only four and so that socialization process uh, my husband can see as well just how powerful that is just by oh, watching him absolutely yeah it's so powerful and we have to be conscious to it, mm. you know. Like I have really interesting conversations with my son. One of his favourite uh, conversation starters is, "Mum, we'll never have equality because dot dot dot." And he, because he's so tuned in, he looks at things that other people, adults included. I mean, he's a young adult now, but um, but certainly of not of his age. And he looks at something and goes. I see the gender in that yeah. and I see the equality or lack of equality in that and let's have a conversation about it. Like it blows my mind, mm. blows my mind. That's great. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah. I, I, I think he thinks it's a curse, not a blessing, <laughs> but it will serve him well, right? It will yeah. serve him well and so, hopefully other people. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. It can be a bit of both. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, for all of us, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 And especially when we're so, um, I know many other people listening, you know, and I know you and I, when you're so passionate about these things and so on top of them and reading on top of them, sometimes you can get a bit disheartened by some of the things you're seeing happening in the world. Yes. But when you think about stuff like that, you know, your conversations with your son and what I just shared about my family, yeah, those seemingly little things make a big difference. They, they do make a big difference and, like, we have to focus on those things, right? We have to focus on the good, um, the possible and, like, where there's hope and, and where we can create change because if you didn't, you would crawl into a hole in a dark room and you would never come out. Like, that, that, that's the reality of the world, Right. You only have to turn – I don't watch the news. I get my news, but I don't watch the news. I don't have a, um, a news feed. I never have it on in my house. It happened since Luca was born. Um, 
but you only have to look at the latest shooting or the yeah what's happening here you know with, with refuge like any of it to, to you could just crawl into a hole and just go this is just too hard so you can only focus on the things in front of you and where you can create the change where there is hope for optimism which is everywhere when you start looking for it um and keep moving forward right yeah right you're dropping so many quotables there I'm just <laughs> oh good <laughs> yes yeah, so beautiful yeah <laughs> Look at me, I've done this too often now. I'm thinking, I was already thinking, oh, that one's going to be a beautiful little graphic. (laughs) Oh, good. I'm sitting here thinking, is any of this useful to anybody? I'm just on a big rave. Oh, it's amazing. What happens when I walk 8Ks in the morning and go for a swim? (laughs) (laughs) We'll do it more often. So I was thinking then as you were talking, because I'm like you, I don't watch the news. And in fact, since we moved house, our TV hasn't worked. So we have Netflix, but we don't have TV. So, and I still am very informed. Like I have my ways of being informed online. And I think the last time I watched the news was when I live streamed it yesterday to find out what the results of the vote Mm -hmm. was here in Australia for marriage equality. but. Otherwise, I rely on a lot of other avenues. So I'm curious to know how, how you, are you similar and how you stay on top of things and also how you stay on top of things in terms of being like a research and the work that you do when it yes. comes to how do you do that and who do you follow? Yeah. Any tips for people? Yeah. <laughs> so I found out about the yes uh, vote answer from Instagram, mm-hmm. right, from one of my girlfriends who's very, I mean, it was everywhere who uh who like she was the first person to post I think (laughs) who's very involved in in the movement yeah um so I I get a lot of news from Twitter from so I use my I use my social media for different things um my Twitter is very much uh sort of business gender politics news and that's that feed um so yeah so I get a lot of my news feed you know from Twitter um and I get a lot of my social feed from Instagram and yeah and then look business latest research things that are coming out in the leadership space uh I subscribe to you know a few email feeds so whether that's um Wall Street Journal or Forbes or Women's Agenda here in Australia who I write for and LinkedIn, yeah, mm-hmm. for, for, for other bits and pieces. So I don't typically go onto new sites, uh, yeah, like hardly ever, unless I'm searching. If I've heard about something, you know, like if when I, uh, you know, heard about the, the latest shooting in the US, I went straight into CNN, yeah, mm-hmm. and like let, let's see what's going on here. But then I will go straight out again and I will shut it down because, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I dip in and I di- I, like I'm very informed, but I will dip in and I, I will dip out, um, mm-hmm. get what I need, and then and close it down because I, I, I'm very in the world, but I'm also a very sensitive person, and yeah, like it really it really gets into my consciousness and the activist in me, um, it will derail me completely because I will see one thing and then like forget my work for the week I just want to go and do something Mm. so I just yeah consciously consume media yes and I think that's so important I think a lot of people who are listening will be the same I've heard this this is actually a conversation I've um, someone's asked me to talk to someone specifically about yeah to dedicate a whole episode to on the podcast because so many of them obviously because they want to change the world they're big carers and yeah. they find it really hard to remain informed because it also results in burnout for them when when they do. So, you know, finding our yes. way to – because being informed is so important and it can't be all love and light and, like, we do need to know what's happening in the world. But we yes. can find our own way of doing it Yes, and set up can. boundaries around it. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, if there's a big world event, I can guarantee you my mother will call me because she knows I don't watch the news. She's making, I'm just making sure that you heard about this. <laughs> Thanks, Mum. <Yeah. laughs> so I seem to always le- that as well. Yeah, I seem to learn about things before most people, just from Twitter, for example. Yeah, yeah. 
Like yeah. I think if you if you if you are consciously consuming media, mm. which would mean who am I following on Twitter, what am I tapped into, you are going to you know you're going to stay informed. Yeah, for sure. yeah. Just finding that balance. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Now I know we're running out of time, and we've focused a lot on individual, and we've touched in a bit on entrepreneurs but is there anything that you'd like to add for any of the entrepreneurs listening about how they can use their platforms to take on personal leadership and try and create change Mm, yes such a great question I think we all have to look at what 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 are we passionate about what is the change that we want to create in the world because we all can't do everything yeah uh it would be great if we could (laughs) because we'd fix all the problems but we can't. So what are you passionate about? You know, where do you want to use your voice? For me, it's largely around women. It's around leadership um, <clears throat> because I, I know from all of my research that when we help women rise, we help uh, everybody, yeah? We help the communities. We help the families. We help the children. We help the partners. Everybody benefits. We help the economies when women rise. So that's my absolute passion. So, what is what is your passion? Where do you want to create change? What are the causes that you believe in? Where do you want to get active? You know, is it plastic? Is it yeah, gender? Is it what? What is it? Yeah, is it global warming? Um, is it politics? And where can you use your voice? You know, if you have a big platform. I mean, I love watching Danielle Laporte. You know, she's got such a massive platform and more and more, and I've noticed it particularly over the last six months, she is using that platform for social change. And now that's not going to suit everybody. You know, not all entrepreneurs need to do that. But where can you use your voice? And that could be at the barbecue, as we were saying. It doesn't mean you need to have 15,000 Twitter followers, you know. Um, although that's nice when you want to say something. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But just and and to not get overwhelmed with it, yeah. to not get overwhelmed. Uh, I sometimes as entrepreneurs we can we can sit in this space of like, is what I'm doing even making a difference? There's so much noise out there. Um, it's so busy, and like, is this contributing in a positive way, or is this just contributing to the noise? And then, you know, yesterday I had a message from someone I don't even know from an Insta story that I did just saying, this just changed everything for me. Mm. And I'm like, okay, great. So I'm going to keep showing up and speaking about things that, and that was just a personal story about some something in my creative process um, and just keeping it real about what's mm. going on because we often think, oh, it's also wonderful over there. No, it's not. Mm. And that made a real difference for her. So if I can affect that change in a small way, awesome. Yeah? yeah. Same with the plastic. Same with the, the 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 fair trade bags from these women in the hills in Thailand. Yeah. It seems so like what? <laughs> but it makes sense because it's all aligned, and it's and it's a small thing I can do to to help impact. Yeah. So I think that's a super important message. And it doesn't have to be everything. Just pick something. Yeah, one thing at a time, like everything else in life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and not like not all day, every day. Yeah, because we're we're doing our thing. So yeah. just find the moments. Yeah? yeah, find the moments that can matter. Yeah, and I love that you've touched on there as well around feeling like you're making a difference because I think so many people we're so close to it we don't realize it. I've had a friend who felt that way, and all I did was just go through her. Facebook page and I collected a heap of nice things people had said on her Mm -hmm. posts about how much her work was impacting them and I sent it to her and I said really with this massive list of people praising her and she was like oh yeah and I think about that myself too right like just because people aren't commenting on a particular post or telling you that it's making a difference quite often when you run into someone they will be like oh my gosh that thing you did or said, yes. that really yes. that really helped me. And, yes. and I'm like, wow. So yeah. you don't know a lot of the time. People are so busy. They just, you know, keep scrolling or keep doing their thing. And Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's the truth, right? Like let's just underline and put a full stop exclamation point over what you just said. You never know or you very rarely know the full impact that you make. 
you know, and, and like I'm sitting here writing my third book. I'm like, oh, my God, like all the things, right? Yeah. Am I actually going to be able to finish this before my deadline? Is this any good? Does it matter? Is anybody going to care? Like all of those things. Mm-hmm. And then I send a, I've got a writing buddy, my gorgeous girlfriend Lou, and I just send her my chapters every day to check in. Not She has to read them, just to send them so that I know I've done them. Mm-hmm. And she sent me back a note last night. She doesn't comment every day. And she said, this book is really important, yeah. you know, and, and then she told me specifically why. And I was like, okay, all right, keep going. Yeah, keep going. Mm. And the other thing that I would say to people is just, like, who can you encourage today? Mm. Who can you encourage today? Who can you say a nice word to or give them some love on social media or text a friend and say, hey, I hope you're doing okay. Like who can you encourage today to keep showing up and doing their work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. it makes, it just, it's everything, right? It makes so much difference. Yeah, like that little comment you mentioned on Insta, it makes such a big oh, difference. Everything. And everything. I say this to my clients all the time with like activists and people who are out there every day dedicating their life yes. to this and they're copying so much abuse yes. online and often from the media. I yeah. think, I don't know that people realise how much leaving a supportive comment on their post or supporting their work, even when they have so many followers, people think that they don't notice. But I know from talking to them, they notice. Yeah, absolutely. It means the world. It does. And sometimes it is the difference between someone keeping going or putting in that next level and not. Mm. You know, because, I mean, I know I've had times when, you know, I put out a lot of content and I've had times where I'm like, oh, well, no one's commenting. Like, there's not that many people coming to the, you know, whatever. And maybe I just won't bother. And yeah. then you get one comment and you go, well, if that one person is is getting something from this, I'm going to keep going. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just, I think we can all do more to encourage and express gratitude to people who are doing things that matter to us. Um, in whatever way we can. I think it's, yeah, it's, it's time to, to step into that space. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Megan, I could talk to you all day. <laughs> then your book won't get written, so I won't no. do that. That's not a win for any of us. <laughs> well, it would be a win for us because we'd enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. But before we go, can you tell us what's next for you and for your work in helping women rise and what can we do to be involved or to support that? Thank you. Um, so, well, this book, which will be out May 2018 with Hay House Globally, continuing my work, you know, coaching, speaking, doing all of that good stuff. And I've got a couple of exciting uh, ventures on the horizon that I can't talk about yet, but because it's ah, just too soon. Tease. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe we can talk about later. But, uh, yeah, just, just some exciting uh, new platforms I'm building um, that will be released next year. So yeah, just balancing the the work, the creative work, the community work, or yeah, all of that. I don't I don't say philanthropy or humanitarian, like any of that, or activism, but bits of all that stuff that, something that in I'm there. Yeah. passionate about. There's something in there that you would call what I do. Can't just, define. Uh, yeah, contributing, just being a good human, trying yes. to be a good. Yeah, oh, I love that. Yeah, I'm trying love to be a good that. human being. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll include the links in the show notes for your website and your books and some of your other projects. But to anyone that's listening, it's megandelacamina.com, right? Yeah, that's right? it. Yep, that's yep, good. I've been there a million times. So That's where I live online. And uh, um, in, uh, uh, Instagram is my, is my creative home mm. uh, and Twitter is my other. So, yeah. Yeah, you do fun stories and real stories too on Insta. I just, I'm obsessed with Instagram stories. Um, I I find, number one, it's a creative outlet for me, so it's kind of selfish, but I I get so much feedback from just the behind the scenes stuff that I share that seems to be helpful. And I'm all about keeping it real. So yeah, it's just fun. So yeah, come find me on Instagram stories. I'd love to connect with everybody. Fantastic. I'll post the links for that too. Thank you. And can I just can I just say before you wrap up? Yeah. I just want to say and acknowledge you and say thank you to you for the work you are doing in the world. It is so important. It is filled with so much heart and passion and commitment 
and joy and you are a gift. So I just want to acknowledge you for that and it's been such a privilege to to watch your journey and, yeah, just so. Now I'm crying. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Yeah, you're amazing. You're amazing. And I know you're inspiring so many people um, to step into the personal leadership. So thank you. Thank you, Megan. That means a lot. It very much ties in with what we were just talking about, doesn't it, (laughs) with how much those type of words can impact someone I'm seriously crying (laughs) (laughs) so thank you thank you for not only chatting with me today but being someone who played a big role into me kind of shifting into this type of work back when I said this is what I wanted to do but I'm not sure how to transition there Um, you were the person in my corner weren't you so thank you so much for being that person you're welcome it's an honor and I'm gonna say bye to <laughs> the audience now because otherwise I'll keep love bombing you <laughs> okay. well, thank you for having me it's been an absolute delight thank you for listening to the dream for others podcast if you want to connect with like-minded people who are passionate about using their platform passions and uniqueness for social good head on over to facebook and search for our private group called the Dream for Others community. For episode notes, further inspiration, and access to my award-nominated free resources, please visit naomiarnold.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, I'd appreciate if you'd please subscribe, leave a review in iTunes, and share it wide and far. Let's continue to dream for others, and I'll talk to you soon.